0: Hello readers, welcome back to another episode of the History of Crows podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about a recent, about some of my recent reads, which actually I think it would be apt to name a marathon, because this August I read four books by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and some of them were rereads some of them were the first time one of them was an arc (laughs) so i actually would like to take this opportunity to thank penguin random house international for sending me an arc of carrie soto is back thank you very much and okay so it wasn't actually i wasn't actually planning to do this it kind of happened and it actually is something that will tie up to another episode that i'm planning to record which i'm going to talk about rereading books so stay tuned for that one but basically uh, what happened is that i got this arc for carrie soto and i was actually with a little itch already to reread evelyn hugo and then i was like i don't think my experience with carrie soto would Will be the same if I don't reread. And I say that because last year when Malibu Rising came out, I actually didn't pick it up because I was not like I didn't really remember which of the husbands of Evelyn was McRiver at the time. My bad, my bad. I'm never gonna forget him now. I know exactly who he is but I I just didn't feel the book vibe or whatever. And I didn't read it. And I know like you don't have to read one of these books to read the other, but the like these four books that I read, which are the four most recent books that she published, they have, they share the same universe. There are like some Easter eggs in each of them regarding the other. And so I just feel like it enhanced my experience by doing what I did. And so what happened was, first I went and I reread Evelyn Hugo and damn, excuse my language, but what a book. This book is incredible. This book is astounding. It is remarkable. It is something like it never done before. Probably it was done before, but what I mean is, it's just in terms of like literary terms, I don't think I've read anything like it with the same concept and execution. And it is so good. And the most incredible thing about Taylor Jenkins' Weed, I mean, I funny thing, I never read her earliest books, you know, the books before Evelyn Hugo. She has a couple of books. When uh, True loves so maybe In Another Life, After I Do. I don't know if there's more, but I know that these three, I know the names. Maybe there's one more. Forever Interrupted, I think. So four books, I think, before Evelyn Hugo. And from what I've gathered, from what I've seen people talk about, uh, these books are very different from the type of fiction she went on to publish with Evelyn Hugo and afterwards. And I do want to get to know these books, actually. I have planned before to read maybe In a lot of Another Life, but I I didn't get very far. Like, it was maybe one chapter or so. But I do want to get around reading those. And it's it's curious, you know, how she changed her fiction and how the success of Evelyn Hugo affected uh, what she would up- publish, coming forward and, and also something that I really loved is that um, she kind of does like obviously she couldn't pull the same thing that she pulled with Evelyn Hugo on the other books because I mean you have when you love a book you have this feeling where you would accept something that was literally the same but like with different character names and whatever, because you're like, this is so good. But of course that rationally, that wouldn't make any sense, both for the reader and for the author. But what I'm saying is that, yes, maybe it would have been lovely to read a book the way that Evelyn Hugo told the story, but like with a different character. But of course that can happen. But what I mean is, we have these stories about famous people that feel so real. You know, I remember the first time I read Evelyn Hugo that I Googled her because I thought I was reading a biography. I, I literally thought it was a real person. And that goes to her in terms of characterization. You know, it's, her books are 100% character driven, like no questions asked. And also, since she writes these books in different uh, periods of time, she brings so much of that time, whether it's like the 1930s with Evelyn and movie, the the early cinema, early Hollywood, or like the 70s with Daisy Jones, or the 80s with uh, Malleable Rising. And in the case of Carrie Soto, now the 90s. And it just—it's a mix of those two things that create this magical experience of reading her books, that you really, you really are transported, you know. And I love how how she has this talent for that, you know. And in terms of like characters, uh, Evelyn Hugo, all all of the main characters in her books, uh, this arc that I got from carrie soto from valentine books there is a note actually from the publisher um, saying that from all these recent characters from taylor jenkins Reid, their favorite is carrie soto and 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 they comment like evelyn manipulates the media daisy jones breaks with the media you know she she doesn't know how to deal with it nina river runs from The media she hides she doesn't want anything to do with it and carrie soto couldn't care less about the media and that translates so well in the books and it creates such unique personalities like i relate so much to i mean i think the only one i don't relate is actually daisy jones because evelyn nina and carrie i relate to them in different levels in different aspects of their personalities And I think that's also part of what makes me love these books so much. I mean, when you talk about character driven stories, you must have, you you need to care. Like uh, with any book, actually, any book at all, you need to care about a character enough to want to keep reading or a movie or a TV show. Like you need to care about what is happening to want to keep, you you need to be still caring so that you're invested in it. But when you talk about character driven books, the plot is obviously less focused on than characterization, and so caring for a character, rooting for them, and sometimes even getting emotionally attached to them is really like a, an, an a testament to the author's um, talents and abilities in writing. And I don't know, I just really love this this incredible characters. It's like. One of my favorite things in reading books it, it's probably i probably am i am more of a character driven book a book person i mean, i don't know i haven't really thought about it but maybe i am but anyways and so i reread evelyn and it was incredible because it was this thing of getting to read something that i knew what, it, what was going to happen you know the major things but the first time I read Evelyn was back in 2019, so it's actually been three years. And it's impressive how much you can forget in three years. We forget a lot of the books we read. That's something that sometimes concerns me about my own memory. But then again, I read, I read a lot of books. So you need to create some space in your, in your brain. Like, okay, store all these blocks. And of course, they're going to fade over time. And rereading also helps, you know, that's something I'm going to discuss a little bit further with when I record the episode about rereading books. But it was just so incredible to get back to a whole state of mind while I read this book, while I reread this book. And with Evelyn Hugo, it gripped me from the first sentence. Like, it was so incredible from the first sentence. And it's such a devourable book. In fact, I'm going to say that all of her books are devourable. And to be honest, despite... I mean, I'm going to get there with the other ones. But I will say that her books can be read in like two to three sittings. Like, it's just so good. You don't want to stop. With Evelyn Hugo, I started reading it at night, which was... A bad choice for me because i ended up reading until the wee hours of the night and if i'm not wrong i stopped reading and it was like three in the morning and i was like okay i totally lost track of time i did not see that it was so late and then of course i went to sleep and then the other day i finished in the afternoon like it was that good i could not get my mind out of the story And for a reread as well, because sometimes I'm worried about rereading books and being like, okay, is this going to be dull or whatever? Because I already know what's going to happen, but not with Evelyn Hugo. And then after I finished, I was like, okay, I'm ready to read at the time. I actually didn't think I was going to read Daisy Jones in this marathon. And so I finished Aveline and I was like, okay, I'm going to re- read Malibu Rising now because I never read it. And then I'm going to read Carrie Soto. And I did want to read Malibu first because I knew that Carrie Soto was a character. She shows up in Malibu Rising. So I was like, okay, maybe I should read this first because what if something important happens? And then I miss it. But like I said, it, you don't have to read all of these books to make sense of them. But it was just something cool that I wanted to do and read this entire terrible universe. Then I picked up Malibu Rising and again, I was completely hooked from the first sentence, from the first page. And it was such a perfect time to be reading this book because of course it's summer right now, you know, August is summer and... It was so hot outside and I live near the beach and and there was this hugely descriptive passages of the Riva siblings in the ocean swimming, the sands, the sand in between their feet, and I was like, I can feel this too. I like there was one day that I went for a swim and I was like, oh my god, the feeling of this book. And it was incredible. I'm so happy that I read this in the summer. It's a, it's a perfect summer read, and I was so invested in this family. the The first part of this book was incredible. It it shifts in between the present, where it's 1983, and the Riva siblings have like a yearly end of the summer party, which. This year particularly is one of the years that you got a little bit out of hand, but it's a tradition they do every year. And then in between those chapters, you have chapters from the past. From the past. What is this accent? You have chapters from the past. I'm sorry. That was a southern accent right there for you. And you have these chapters from the past where you get to know the the parents, how the their parents and it's it's Mick River, their, their dad. Yeah, there he is. And so, how did he meet their mom, and how did they got together? And then after they got together, like, and when the children started to to grow up, the the challenges they faced, and it's so so incredible. It it really is a great character construction of all the siblings, but particularly of course Nina River. Like, I love this girl so much oh my god, this girl, she just deserves a hug, you know, (laughs) for a little thing. But it's just incredible. And it's also super, super readable. The one thing that happened for me with Malibu Rising was that the second half of the book kind of changes a little bit from tone because you have like these parallels from the first half with the present and the past. And you have like an entire half of a day, entire half of a day. You have a half a day of this party from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So you have the the siblings interacting and some stuff that is happening currently in the present that they're going to have to deal with, you know, decisions in the future and whatever. And then the second half of the book is from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. of the other day, which is the time of the party itself and this party just did not go the way that I thought it would go it's not like entirely bad of course and it's not that it's just I really had a different conception in my head of what the party would go like and I think particularly in the very very last bit like I would say from 70 75 to the end of the book so it's really the last bit and the chapters were, were like the last six chapters um, it got a little bit boring, I would say. There was some repetition. There was some stuff that I was like, okay, is this party never going to end? Please, someone get me out of here. But it was great. I did not like the overall wrapping of things. And, like, the first half of the book is so strong that I can't help but love it. But I... If Evelyn Hugo maintained... I forgot to say that. Evelyn Hugo maintained it's rating on five stars and a favorite and not only your favorite actually with evelyn hugo it's actually a lifetime favorite i came up with this with this shelf i think it was last year on goodreads and it's interesting because like i have over i think it's 170 maybe i don't know something like that of favorites and like the lifetime favorites you got about 50 so yeah Being a lifetime favorite is not an easy feat. And Evelyn Hugo maintained the the favorite status. Lifetime favorite. And with Malibu Rising, I ended up with a rating of four stars. Like, in my heart, you know, for the Riva family, for the Riva siblings, for Nina Riva, it is a favorite. Like, she is a favorite character of mine. You know, I can't separate stuff. But the overall book, like, I, I cannot over... Overlook the second half of the novel, so I ended up with a four-star rating, which is like a high rating It's a very good book. I would recommend and like for anyone who already reads the whole universe of Taylor Jenkins Read then Yeah, pick this one up It was awesome and After I finished Malibu, I was like, okay, let's get on with Carrie I read about 12% of Carrie Soto and I have to be honest here I was not feeling it. And after reading two books by Taylor Jenkins Reid, where the two books I got snatched from the first sentence, like the first chapter, first paragraph, whatever, the first encounter, the first moment, it did not happen with Carrie Soto like that. And so I was a little bit upset. I'm not gonna lie. And then what, what I did was that at first, I actually put it aside, and I read other stuff that I had to read in this month, two different books, and then before I went back to Carrie Soto, I was actually, okay, let's pick up Daisy Jones then, because I was not gonna read now, but I was like, I'm already here, you know, I read two books, let's go read the third, and then carry and then do a whole marathon, And that's when I picked up Daisy Jones and the Six. And Daisy Jones and the Six is also really great from the very first sentence. It's really addictive from the very first page. And I know that a lot of people don't really like Daisy Jones and the Six because of the format. And this is a book that is actually told only in dialogue because it's an interview. The band, the former band and Daisy Jones and Whoever else was involved, producers, journalists, or family members, whatever, they're being interviewed. And so you only have dialogue. And I have to say that the first time I read this book, I was completely blown away by the choice and the format. And I feel like it suits this story in particular so well, because we're talking about a band, And we're talking about a band a rock band in the 70s so you're bound to have people telling you stuff in different ways and i remember how much i love this how people remember things differently and and there's even a note from from this person that's interviewing them there's a note right at the beginning of the novel saying that the truth lies somewhere in the middle unclaimed in some cases because there are a lot of instances where people remember things differently or someone like daisy jones herself is saying that whatever she did she did this because she was hungry and then someone on the outside was gonna say oh she did this because she was so high on drugs that day or whatever it's just a stupid example but there were many, many times where the person was saying they did something or they acted some way or they wrote a song. You know, Billy and Daisy Jones are songwriters. They wrote a song because of X feeling. And then someone on the outside, they wrote the song because of Y feeling, you know, because they were in love with each other or whatever. And it's so great the way these dynamics work it's so great it's so great it's such a great concept for this story in particular of musicians of bands and of something like a rock band that was a huge success and then they fell apart you know this this very something that's very known to us currently with this type of bands and stuff that happened like in the 70s in the 80s and then we have these people these people that are old now we're telling their lives and their story it just it was incredible it was really incredible and and i know that the first time around for me was more of a surprise and i definitely definitely enjoyed it so much and i do feel like the second time around i can see all this positive stuff about this format But I do have to admit that a second time around was, I was a little tired at some points in the story that I was not in the first time around. But again, it's a reread. So it's never going to, I mean, rarely, rarely a reread is going to be the same as the first time around. That's what I pointed out, how Evelyn Hugo not only survived the reread, but became a lifetime favorite, et cetera, et cetera. Because rereads are complicated stuff there will be an episode i said it multiple times already but i can't stress it enough there will be an episode about this because i need to to discuss this in depth but i just really love the story as well it's great i do feel like the ending of lady jones is a little bit rushed but then how can it not be rushed when one day the band simply stopped existing and they canceled the rest of the tour and it was all over like what do you expect you know and i'm just so excited to see how they would transport all of that into the tv show like i cannot wait for this tv show it will be so huge it's gonna be great i have a feeling and i know that they recorded recorded songs like it's gonna be And I do remember that a couple of days ago, when I wrote my review for Daisy Jones, I was mentioning how I was not sure if it was still a favorite for me after the second read, mainly because I was a little too hung up on this format thing. But I gave it a couple of days, and now that I'm recording this episode, and I'm talking out loud why I thought that my opinion is actually of, the pers- of a person who read it for the second time. And I do remember how he felt when I read the first time. I, I, I think it, it might still be a favorite for me. Because there's so much that I love about Daisy Jones. And there's so much in between the lines of this book. So much interpretation. So much heart that you take from the story. It's really incredible. Anyways. <laughs> um, okay, so that's what I did. I read Evelyn, Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones. And then we get, again, get back to Carrie Soto. And so, like I mentioned, I had read 12% of Harry Soto is Back before I decided to put it down for a little while and I focused on other stuff and I read Daisy Jones and then I was like I need to finish this book because it's gonna come out at the end of the month and I need to finish it. And so I set out to do that and it actually worked so much better than the first time around Because when I sat down to read, I just got to 50% of the book. And on the other day that I picked up to read, I finished it. That in itself is again a testament to Taylor Jenkins Reed's writing, which I said before, but her books are really readable. You can totally read them like in two days. If you have a lot of time, a lot of free time, you sit down and just lose yourself in the book. Two days and you're done with it. And maybe Daisy Jones even faster. The first time I read Daisy Jones, I read it in like 24 hours because it's just dialogue. So if you're really invested in it. And I have so many conflicting, I mean, not so many, but conflicting thoughts about Carrie Soto because through the course of my reading, my feelings changed so much for this book. Um, Before I reached the 50% mark, i was actually thinking it's going to be a three star i was like okay maybe taylor jenkins we cannot pull it again you know maybe it was too many times maybe it's not gonna happen this time because i was like comparing to the fact that they got her three books i had just read by her uh, i hit it off right at the very start the very sentence the very paragraph the very chapter you know what i'm saying and it didn't happen with carrie Soto. and i was like okay maybe that's what what will happen but the interesting thing that we need to, to, to discuss about this author is how, like I said earlier, she could have repeated what she did in Evelyn Hugo, if she wanted to do this kind of writing where she wasn't going to do anything inov- in, inov- inov- innovative, I don't know what how to say that word, if she wasn't going to innovate, invent, I don't know. Anyways, um, but she did not, because we have Evelyn Hugo. A person recounting their entire life you know an actress of the golden age of Hollywood and her seven husbands and some other stuff you find about her because I'm not gonna say you might not I don't want this episode to have spoilers but if you read it you know what I'm saying you know what I'm nodding to in the middle of seven husbands and then you have I mean chronologically she probably stated you don't after you have this unique format band truth different recountings of the same event um the perspective of other people to certain moments and then the perspective of the person and what this person was thinking what the motivation to this particular person was and what the other people involved think it was the motivation so it's a play a lot with this what what is real what is not and i feel like for particularly for a rock band because rock bands are rock bands you know everything is complicated with rock bands everything is filled with layers and with meaning and with sex and drugs and rock and roll and particularly this is the 70s so it's it's a it's all of a game it's a whole thing that she managed to create and the format helps that so much So it is famous people, but it's different from Evelyn Hugo. Then you have Malibu, which is, like, sort of even famous people who, like, I know that Nina Riva is a famous surfer, but she hates the media, and all of the McRivers' children resent him and the media, because, like, he's not a father for them. So there are these kind of outcasts. Like they have a status of being like a McRiva's children, but they couldn't give any they couldn't give anything less about this fact. And so they're almost like they border on being normal people almost and have this gaze upon fame and the people that surround them or that have interest in them just because they are the so called children of McRiva. And also you have this different format of the present day being entirely told in a day and the past so again she she broke her own mold twice here after Evelyn I mean and then with Carrie she broke it again by doing what? Carrie Soto is not a book I mean in my opinion it's not a book you're going to love at first I mean you might and if you do good for you but maybe you won't And that's the beauty in it, because you see this character go through so much stuff throughout this novel. And, okay, Nina Riva works really hard for what she wants. I mean, Evelyn Hugo works really hard for what she wants. But there's something about Carrie Soto that I just can't, that I just can't. This woman is something else and so you're going on this journey of a character who had who was the best in her world. She was the best woman. She was the best tennis player, no woman, she's the best tennis player. And okay, she retired. But then she comes back like at an, at an old age for for the game, of course, because she's 37 and people don't usually play at that age. And she just Sets out to do it again you know she said she she wants to win another championship again to prove that she can and so much about carrie soto is about she trying to prove herself and i don't know every time i think more about her as a character the more i want to give this book a five stars and then i am on the fence if i give it a four if i give it a four and a half because there were some stuff i didn't like namely the beginning was a little bit slow for my taste it took me a while to really get invested in the story the very last ending was a bit rushed but at the same time i understand why it was rushed but at the same time i wish there was a little bit more so it leaves me in this place where i don't know which rating i'm going to go with but possibly i think i feel like 4.5 slashing on five like i cannot I, i i cannot you know I think about her and I cannot not give her five stars. And also something really interesting we have in this book that it's different from all of her other books, the also other three books. Carrie Soto has an incredible relationship with her father. Her father is also her coach. He was also a tennis player back in the day and he coaches her. But they have an incredible, incredible relationship. And this is really something that we haven't seen in those other books because in terms of family like that, you have Evelyn who was basically, you know, none of her family and including her father didn't give two, two, two fingers about her, didn't give anything about her. She did. She did it all herself and then she constructed her family, of course, over the course of her life. And Daisy Jones, also her parents didn't care about her. She was all alone. And other characters also didn't really have families, you know, ended up like Billy. He was also, he made his family. His family was something that kept him grounded. With Malibu Rising, same thing. The family is the siblings because their father is absent, non-existent. And their mother, um, she died also. So, it's the first time in a long line of books that we see a character have such a strong relationship with a parent, namely a father. And, I don't know, it was beautiful. Their relationship was beautiful. I really loved reading that. It gave so much depth to Carrie as a character. And, like I said, the, the the first part, like, up until a little bit less than 50%, I was like, maybe this is going to be a three-star. And then around there, 50, 60%, I was like, no, this is going to be a four-star. But, but from then on until the ending, there was so much going on. I was so invested. I became so invested in Carrie Soto as a person. As a person, she's a real person in my head. I, this book is, like, it makes me want to start watching tennis like it explains from the very basics to you i i, I couldn't explain anything but i sort of understood <laughs> everything. You, i understood when i read it but i cannot talk about it but it, it explains to you from the very basic what tennis is and you have like those championships and that i didn't even know that you work like that but you have multiple of these championships so you have like melbourne which is uh, a type of, and i knew there were different types of tennis courts but like each of these championships are a different type of court so you have like Melbourne which is those blue courts I don't know how to describe that I don't know the name I forgot the name then you have the French which is Roland Gars and it's the clay court that I've seen a lot on TV you have um Wimbledown which is grass court I did not I had not seen that before but I knew Wimbledon was tennis but I did not realize it was grass and then you have the US Open which is like I don't remember the name but it was a court in New York that I think I think it's a standard tennis court I don't know I forgot the one in in New York but I was so incredibly satisfied with all this information and I admit there are some times that like she describes a lot of tennis games okay a lot of them so you're either gonna be in some points maybe a little bit tired i did get a little tired and then other times i was a hundred percent glued to my seat in fact i ended this book crying i did record a little video of myself reading the first the last chapter and i cried it was so emotional it was so intense You really it felt like i was watching live tv you know i, I was so tense for this fictional tennis games. Look at the craft of this writer for God's sake. I don't even know if I'm making sense now because I'm so emotional after reading Carrie Soto. I'm just rambling and babbling and you know maybe something will come out of this, but whatever. The point is this book won me through it was a journey. I was there. I lived through this journey side by with Carrie Soto and her her ambition her desire to prove herself, her desire to be the best. This was so relatable to me and this was so, so raw. You know, it was different than what Evelyn wanted. It, it is different from what Nina and Daisy wanted. You know, all of these women in their respective fields and areas, they, they want something out of it. They want different things out of it. And I think that's what makes them so unique as women and as characters and so incredible that we can continue to go back to Taylor Jenkins' read and still want to read her books and still be invested in her characters because she puts this motivation into her characters that make them real. She puts flaws in her characters that make them real. You know, Evelyn is ruthless and maybe even cruel and she won't stop at anything to get what she wants, but it's not the way Carrie works through life, you know? and daisy jones also is passionate about music she has unfortunately problems with drugs and alcohol and such a neediness and sh- such a loneliness and nina Reaver just wants to provide for her family and she loves the ocean and and surfing in a pure and just naive almost childish way because she didn't get to live her childhood because she had to look up for her siblings and Carrie Soto is seen as such a, an emotional close-off person. And like Ice Heart. She's she's also she has a nickname of the Battle Axe. I love that nickname for her. And then, again with all the other characters from Taylor Jenkins, we you see what the media is talking about, this character, and you see what this character is feeling, and it's so it's so incredible. It's so raw. It's so touching, it's so powerful. It's incredible. I am speechless. I don't know. I cannot not recommend this enough. I recommend this a lot. And that's why I think that at the end of the day, I'm gonna end up giving a five star. Because I'm completely blown away by Carrie Soto. And you could say, oh, but you just read this book. How can you be so obsessed? You're saying that because you just finished it. But I just finished all of the four of them. So in fact, I'm obsessed with all of them again. Two rereads and two fresh reads. And I'm obsessed with these four women particularly like I said let's just say that that since Evelyn was a reread let's just say that Nina Riva and Carrie Sojo are my entire personality for the next few months oh my god it was great (laughs) I feel I feel like I don't even know what what I want to say about this book but I'm hoping that I'm making some kind of sense and yeah this this marathon was incredible it was incredible i loved every minute of it i've loved reading these books i love taylor jenkins reads maybe you know maybe maybe she's a favorite author i don't know but i really love her writing i really love the way she writes characters they really touch my heart her characters but yeah, so if you like her, if you've read anything by her, you should pick up Carrie soto's back. She, as a writer, still manages to find a new stuff in, in her books. Not, 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 not just to create, but like, it feels like her, it reads like her. Her writing is what it always is, it's so good, character construction at the top and yet she finds these details, this small, like I said, motivation for the character, she finds these things, small things that she works in a novel and makes it unique and then she has this whole body of work that is just so incredible, impressive. And since I did, of course, the marathon, that's why I wanted so much to record an episode about it because it was an incredible experience. And I did want, wanted to have an, an entire episode dedicated to discussing more than one of her books because it is an impressive body of work. But anyways, I recommend Carrie Solcho with my eyes closed. I'm so excited. For the whole world to meet her, and I don't know, maybe I'm gonna start watching tennis from now on because that's the impact this book has on me, you know. Maybe, maybe even start playing tennis. No, I've wanted to play tennis for a while, but who knows, one day maybe. But seriously, though, it's it, she's one of those I mean, all of them really unforgettable characters unforgettable but oh my god it's time for carrie soto to shine in the world in the literary world with all the bookish readers and fans and yes i'm ready for that i'm so ready to be a part of it i hope the world loves her as much as i do i really do and if you've listened this entire ramble so far thank you for being here and keeping up and bearing through with me because i don't know if i'm making any sense maybe i'm too emotional i finished Carry soto last night i'm just oh, yeah, i'm owning my feelings still but yeah i hope if you feel a little bit interested then you go pick up this book and see for yourself anyways taylor jenkins read never disappoints that's that's the what i can take from this whole experience of a marathon you know i don't even know if i ever did something like that with an author before with books that weren't series like i said that oh i didn't, I didn't even mention this the easter eggs are so nice are so nice it's so incredible i mean also you have Mick River, I don't, I forgot if he, if he shows up in Carisoto, but I'm pretty sure he does. He shows up in all four books. How can this man do that? He's everywhere. But you have these little Easter eggs, like, Carisoto Soto obviously shows up in Malibu Rising. She dates, um, Nina River's husband for a while. And there is a reference to Daisy Jones in Malibu Rising. There is a reference there is Nick Riva, of course, and Daisy Jones as well. There is a reference to Evelyn Hugo in Malibu Rising. And in Carrie Soto, she reads an authorized biography of Daisy Jones and the same. It was so fun. Really, it was so fun. I love this little stuff. You know, yeah, they all exist in the same universe. It's so cool. It's so cool. I love it. I really do. And I feel like the second half of Carrie's Hotel, it, it, it's the opposite from Malibu Rising. If Malibu Rising had a strong first half and then the second one was a little bit... Mm, then with Carisoto it was opposite. It's like, it's like an uphill walk. You start at the very bottom and it just only go goes up. And then you reach the peak. It's so good. So good. I have no words to recommend it enough. And you can trust me on that because I was pretty sure I wasn't going to like it. I said, I was about to think, okay, it's going to be a three-star. It's going to be an okay book. It's going to be a good book, but an okay book. No, I think I'm going to end up with a five-star rating. But anyways, like I said, if you listen this far, thank you for staying. And do pick up the book if you feel like it. I hope you love it as much as I did. And also... um, Here's my recommendation for all of Taylor Jenkins Reid's books. In fact, they really, really are worth a read. So anyway, thanks for staying. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.